I've never meddled at the Schuylkill without him. You're doing that sport that everyone does when they're not good at any other sport, right? <laughs> my name is Alex Del Sordo, and I'm with my father, Sam Del Sordo, here at Finish Line Shuttle Fair. Hey, 20 and race, big. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. This is Alex Del Sordo with another Rower's Choice Podcast, Zoomcast. And I love these things because I get a chance to meet someone virtually that I knew nothing about. And I have Will Scully. Will Scully is a head coach at the Hill School just outside of Philadelphia. He's a longtime rower. We're going to learn a little bit about him, his work-life balance as a teacher, because I think a lot of people listening or watching are, are teachers, but also they, they, they are crew coaches. And then the topic has been the same topic for the last, I don't know, three weeks is what are you doing for your program in COVID-19? So, Will, welcome to the Rower's Choice Podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Now, listen, Will, um, as I alluded in the opening, I know nothing about you, man. Um, So here's a chance to get a story out there. I want to know what happened your first stroke. How old were you? Where were you from taking your first stroke? When did you get hooked? Where did you row? Who did you row for? And get me to today right now. Sure. So um, the first strokes in the boat came. um, So I grew up in Simsbury, Connecticut. Um, So I rowed for for Simsbury High School there. Um, Dad had rowed for them in the the 70s. Uh, He says he he was never better than like a a JV guy. Hmm. Um, But uh, more importantly, my older brother who was a year older than me, rode for them all f- four years. Um, he and I always had a bit of like a um, bit of a um, competition where, you know, as you do with, with your brothers, um, he, I was always better at sports than him. Oh, that's and tough. That's he tough. started Ooh. rowing and I did other sports. I played baseball and I played soccer and I, I kind of, would make fun of him or like, Oh, you're doing that sport that everyone does when they're not good at any other sport. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, like blah, blah, blah. Like I'm never going to row because I'm really good at these other sports. And then come my sophomore year, I get cut from both those teams. So it turns out I also was not very good at those sports. Um, <laughs> around the same time. So we had had an, we had had an erg at home because of my dad and because of him. Um, and the coach at Simsra High School, uh, her name is Ann Carabillo. Uh, she's been there for like 27 years or so. Hmm. Um, and she knew me just because of my brother. So she heard that I got cut from some sports and knew that I was, I think I was 6'3 at the time, like 6'3, 100, like 50 pounds soaking wet. Um, so she called my mom and said, hey, if, if, uh, if Will doesn't have a sport to do in the fall, you should have him come out. And I was like, absolutely not. I, I, cannot, I cannot do that. I will just go do no sports, but I can't eat to, to, to my pride to like that. Um, but I, I ended up going my um, to junior year was when I first started rowing. Um, so I started rowing the fall of my junior year. Um, rode the rest of the two years. Um, wasn't quite sure I wanted to row in college, so I didn't really fully try to get 
who recruited. I also, I wasn't very fast, so I don't think I would have gotten mm. looks anywhere. Um, but then ended up rowing at um, Trinity College in Connecticut, um, where I rode for four years under Kevin McDermott. Um, and yeah, had a, had a really great time there. Really didn't get hooked. I, I know you asked that, that question. Um, didn't get hooked until after my sophomore year. Um, while while I was at while I was at Trinity, I I wanted to go uh, abroad um, my junior spring. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I told my coach that at the end of my sophomore year, I was like, "Hey, I'm going to go abroad next next spring." And he kind of was like, "What? What? No, you what do you, don't do that. Yeah, you don't do that. He's like, you should go abroad in the fall. I was like, yeah, but there's this there's a place I want to go, and they have a, they have this whole <laughs> program, and they don't offer in the fall, so I have to go in the spring." He's like, well, if you're gone in the spring, like you're not going to be in a boat in the fall. And I was like, I guess that that makes sense. Um, so I sat for a couple of weeks during the summer and it just like sat on my like chest for a while mm-hmm. and it just felt wrong. Um, so I called him probably like two or three weeks into the summer. I was like, Hey, I'm not going to go abroad in the spring. So I, I canceled the program and everything and stayed, stayed with it and then worked my tail off that to summer and, um, you know, that was, so it, it was kind of that after my sophomore year of, of trying to envision not being on that team made me really like love that sport. So and that, that, team. Was, that was your, that was your kick in the butt, right? So that was my kick in the butt. Came, came kind of late. Yeah, it came. Well, I think <laughs> that that's, that's actually a really good lesson to learn. I think for other kids that are watching, you know, the team, the team, the team, right? Rowing is the best team sport I have ever been a part of. And just like you, I've done other sports and I was never really good at them. Uh, and, and here you are like learning late in life at 20 years old, 21 years old that, Holy cow. Like I can't be selfish here. You know, you are part of a program. I, I love that. Now is, so you started the fall of high school. So you're about 17 years old. Sure. You were okay at rowing. Not great. you had this very nonchalant approach to it you're like I don't know if I want to do this or not and then it was your sophomore junior year of college that you said you know what I really want to make this thing up so what happens your senior year like what what boat were you in what kind of scores were you pulling uh what happened then um so I made the varsity my junior year when I came came back um I like when I when I sent that when I sent that email to my coach and kind of made that decision I was like all right now I'm gonna like make this work I'm gonna uh, so I, I made the varsity that junior year, and then um, to senior year, I was elected uh, captain. Oh wow! Um, so I um, and then was in the same boat my to senior year too. And how did you do that year? Like, what, so what years was this? I'm I'm kind of confused on like your age right now. Sure. So so, so I started. So I'm uh, 27. So I started rowing when I was high school. It was 2008, the fall of 2008. Uh, graduated high school in 2010. Um, so then my. Uh, my sophomore year was 2012, and then 13 was my junior year, and then 2014 uh, was my senior year in, in college. And then, uh, so can, I'm, I just want to know. I mean, because I'm interested. What kind of earth scores were you pulling back your senior year? Can you can you think back? Um, yeah, I, I um, you know, so we, my PR was a 615. Um, and that was my junior year, actually, because we were doing so. We were we were kind of mixing around. Of we did two Ks on slides. Oh, okay, so sure. 
we got a little bit of extra boost there. And then my senior year, we switched to doing all the pieces on um, uh, dynamics. So then, so then do you, so then at that point you graduate college, like where do you take your career at that point? Uh, yeah. So at that point I, I kind of decided like, I want to try to make a, make, make a team. Um, so I, I, I went to, um, Penn AC nice. and I rode for their U23 program, um, that summer, um, was in a four that went to U23 to trials did not win did not even come close to, to winning and that and and uh that's a hard I, thing to swallow that's that's a tough <laughs> it wasn't it would have been hard if we were like maybe close but we weren't um that was fine um so then i i rode for the rest of summer with with pepanacy we rode a good club nats and then um canadian, canadian henley and at this point i was in this like post post college, like trying to figure out what step is next. And I, I, I still yeah. kind of wanted to see if I could keep training and try to make some sort of uh, team. Um, and it was a, it was a combination of the fact that I still love this sport and I'm six foot four. And I was like, there are people who are making teams who are shorter than I am and uh, not been, haven't been given the same gifts that, that I have. Um, I was like, man, I got to at least make a shot at it. And I, 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 um, I got a couple of job offers, but not any ones I was like too stoked about. So mm -hmm. I was fine with like saying, Hey, I'm not going to take those jobs. I'm going to try to row. Um, around the same time, I was talking with a friend from high school who lived in Australia. Um, and they were like, Hey, you should, you should come out here if you don't have a job. So I went out there for about nine months and wow. for a club in to Sydney. Um, and yeah, I kind of, that was like, I could I feel like I kind of killed two birds with one stone there. I could go and like explore and like live that kind of life. And then also I kept rowing every day, um, rowing with some, um, bunch of like Australian national team and U23 guys there. Um, so, so let me, let me interrupt. So yeah. <laughs> something that I really appreciate is someone that goes on an international scale, right? Cause it's the experience that really, you know, matters. Now I was in Australia back in February. I spent about seven days there and I got to watch rowing, right? I got to watch and experience what they do there. What would you say, is the biggest difference in training styles from Australia to America? Like what are, what, now you did Penn AC, you've done yeah. college in high school. Can you like point out like, what is one thing that you know is a big difference between that and, and here? Oh, uh, just their focus on um, sculling and just small boats. Um, so we would go out uh, with this group of guys that were training at the, the club and we would all go out in singles. There were two guys who went on a pair, two guys that went out in a, in a, a double and I went out in a single with like six other dudes. And we would just do these pieces like nine boats across. Wow. Um, what kind of did not it now because Sykes is a part of our, of our brand. Sure, right? Yeah. Did you, I mean, I know you've saw, you, you saw hundreds of them. Did you row in a Sykes boat when you were over there? I did. Yeah. I rode in a Sykes single for a bit. And then, um, 
I think I probably was playing around like a Sykes to double at some point too. Did you like, did you, I mean, you can be honest with me. Like, did I you actually, my, my first time rowing a Sykes was at um, Penny Seat. Nice. Yeah, I think right. St. St. Joe's had a Sykes four that we, that we were borrowing. So um, nice. that was my first time rowing. And I was really, that was the first time I'd been in a boat that had a water bottle holder. Yes. That, look, kids love it. Okay. Kids love I, it. I didn't. I didn't use it because mine didn't fit. Like you got to buy like a special <laughs> yeah. water bottle or something. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my I think the big the big thing I noticed the difference is those guys they all like they're not each of them the guys who I rode with they know how to move a boat because of the time they spent mm. um, rowing in a small boat. Even like to, to the worst guy at the club that I was to training with had been in the junior national team for four and was kind of just like a lazy dude and. I hope he's not listening to this. Um, but, you know, he just uh, – but he was still, like – so their, their, like, low bar was still so much higher than the low bar. Oh, wow. That's of, a really – Of guys that have maybe only rode in eights their, their entire life, which was me up for, like, the, for the longest time. And don't really quite understand, like, the nuances of the sport. And what we're actually doing when we try to move a boat. So from a so so then as a coach, do you heavily value that small boat rowing for your high school athletes? Yeah, yeah. Um, so as a as a coach, we try to we try to um, encourage as many people to go the summer up to Crossbury, um, where I'm also a, a, a coach there too. Um, so we try to get as many kids to go there um obviously it's kind of a expensive camp so um we don't kind of we don't like expect every kid to go um we have invested in a lot of pair doubles too okay so then with your okay so have you adopted i'm gonna try to really phrase this the right way like have you adopted australian coaching techniques to your coaching style today i think a little bit yeah um a little bit. I, I kind of, I love the, the Drew again, kind of bit of like a breath that to the finish kind of, kind of thing of like, let the boat do what it wants. Like you put all the speed into it. Let's, let's let that boat glide and then take, take that next joke. Um, so I, I really like that. Um, but I also, I, I don't try to force certain things like that on the boats that I have. There was a boat that I had last year that, um, started rowing like that and maybe it's because I had talked about it but and maybe they'd seen me row but um, they're the guy who I had in stroke seat started rowing like that and I was like all right like I wasn't gonna die on this on this hill here like I would be okay with trying to teach any style that kind of fits well with this crew but they started doing that I was like all right great we can we can do this I study a lot of the history of rowing and a lot of the coaches that have come through Mm-hmm. And that style and approach of being okay with how the boat is rowing and not trying to adjust and change to the style is a Harry Parker sort of esque approach. Um, there were times where he would like the rude and crude team in the 1970s. They would he didn't care what they looked like as long as the oar did the same thing over and over again. So he yeah. wouldn't try to force guys to like open their back up a little early or whatever. He didn't force it. So it's very it's very cool to hear a younger coach say that it, he's just going to let the boat do what they do, right? You're not forcing it on, on people. Um, yeah. has that, is that something that you learned in Australia or is that just a natural 
tendency for you? It's kind of a not, I, I don't think I learned that in, in, in uh, Australia. I think that I was more of like going and hearing a bunch of coaches talk and um, one coach saying like, yo, you have to pause at the finish and that's the fastest way to move a boat. And then um, hearing, hearing other coaches say something else. And um, I think, I think when it really started to click was um, I was at a talk at the joy of sculling conference. I think it was um, Volker Nolte who was, was given it. And he basically showed a bunch of guys rowing at the highest level. Um, and basically was like, you can do like whatever you want, basically like all these things that we teach, like this boat isn't doing that. Like that, um, Irish, Irish double, right. They have no, um, for ratio. They just fly up and down the slide and go to, to win a race. Um, so I kind of sum it up by like boats have been winning races and been going fast for years and the styles have changed and there's still boats that are going fast and, especially at the level that my guys are, are at, like, I'm not going to gain any time or, or, or lose any time by trying to make them fit into a mold that I think is mm-hmm. the fastest. So when, at what point did you decide like, Hey, you know, I really want to be a crew coach. Cause that it's, it's a terrible job. You don't get paid really much of anything. It's, you know, it's great to be with the kids and, and to, to change their lives, but it becomes an obsession. It becomes something you do all day, every day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when did you just say, Hey, you know what? I want to do this. I want to make this, I want to make this my future. Yeah. So I came home from Australia. Um, and I started, I, at, at that point I kind of decided, you know, I, I kind of ran out of steam to try to keep rowing myself. And I said, all right, it's time to find a quote unquote, the real job. Um, but I just put so many years of like passion and heart into this sport that when you go into job interviews, like, Oh, what are you passionate about? Like, well, I like to, to, to row. And then I'm applying for all these other, like, like insurance jobs and things. Yeah. And I'm like, I, yeah. I don't care about, I don't care <laughs> about this. So, so I moved back home for a bit and then I, um, I, t- I was helping out my old coach at uh, Trinity for a fall. And then I got a job as an as a assistant boys and girls coach at to Middletown high school. Okay. And, um, I kind of told myself like, while I'm trying to find a real job, I will work as a coach. And I was trying to, I was working this bunch of like odd jobs, um, but it was always like, I'm going to be a coach while I'm trying to find a real job. And then when I would hang out with my, to my friends and they would ask about work, uh, I tell them about to, to, to the team and a bunch of other things. And a bunch of people, like more than one person told me, Will, your face lights up when you talk about those kids that you coach. Yeah. I was like, oh. And like, it was those words that, that they said of like, okay, that, that does make sense. Like I care so much more about that. Why am I spending so much time trying to find a different job because it will pay more. Um, so I saw, so at that point I was like, all right, I'm going to try to look for jobs where I can coach and I won't make as much money as maybe I thought I might, but that's fine. Um, so I was looking for jobs and then I, um, so while I was at Trinity, I was a, physics major 
Mm, okay. Um, and then there was a school down outside of Philadelphia that was hiring a physics teacher and a rowing coach. And I figured that's perfect. <laughs> you know, at that point it was like, if I have to teach so that I can coach, sure. Fine. Um, turns out I also loved the teaching part right. of it too. So, uh, I'm really happy where I, where I ended up here, but it, it all kind of came from this realization of like, I really love this sport and I really love what I do. And I don't know why I would try to find something else. You know, there's this, uh, common theme, um, that we run into and I never really quite found a way to put it until you just said it. You're, I'm going to be a coach till I find a real job. Like it <laughs> yeah. is a real job. It is, it is a hard job. There's not a lot of people that are good at it. Right. I think you've run into your fair share of just bad coaches in, in along the way. Yeah, um, sure. People that are just not passionate about it, but yeah. that's wonderful. I mean, and you found a real job. So at what point, what year did you get this physics coaching job? Like what, what year was that? Um, 2016. So I'm now, I'm now in year four at Hill. So. Wow. And then how yeah, so have, yeah. like what, what successes have you had coaching um, these boys since uh, 2016? Yeah. So, um, so I guess I got to tell, I got to talk a little about the team. So the, the team at Hill was started in 2015. Oh, um, there was a, um, a long t a coach who was a long time coach at Tabor. Um, he, um, works here at Hill, Steve Fusarallo. Okay. Um, and a couple years or one or two years before I got to Hill, um, the headmaster asked him, Hey, let's start a team. And there was a bit of, obviously I, I wasn't there, but I think there was a bit of like a, do you know what you're asking? This is a, this is a, this is a, like a big ask. It's like, yeah, sure. Let's start a team. So, um, the official start date of the program is always tough because the first year that they officially had rowing at Hill, I think was. 2015 or 2015, I think, where they bought like a used four and they put some guys in the boat and they went down to the river and they rode and that was it. They didn't race. They didn't have a team really. It was just like a club. Let's see if we can get guys in the boat. The year after that was the first year that they raced at a couple races. Um, the year after that, so I guess the third year that rowing was a thing at Hill, um, the sport officially became a varsity sport at Hill, and that was my first year. Wow. This is now year four of it being a varsity sport at Hill. Um, wow. And uh, so the successes we've, we've had kind of, when I came, I, my goal was let's just be a little faster every year. And go to the same races that we go to and just finish higher every year. Um, so my first year, we didn't make any of the, we didn't make it to the next day at Stoats in the junior and senior four. Um, both boats didn't make it out to time trials. Um, the next year we won the junior four. What? So that was the success that, that we were able to have. Okay. All right. I, all right, I'm gonna get mad now. <laughs> I have, I coached for many years, okay, and my God, you you're gonna have to give me your secret. You're gonna tell me what the hell you did in one year's time 
to win the because the, that that the the the, the JB four is probably the deepest pool of athletes at yeah. Stillsbury. Like, there's not a lot of more people enter the JV4 race than any other race. Yeah, in- there were like 64 boats that, that year or something. So what did you do? Like, did you did you pot hunt? Are those like your best guys that should have been in the varsity four or what? Like, well, what did you do to win? So it's a bit of, it was a bit of, so the answer to pot hunt is no, but I had two fours. And my fastest four happened to be four juniors and a sophomore who cocks in. My second boat had one senior in it. So it was kind of a bit of like, if I enter my fastest four in this senior four, my other boat won't get a chance to race. And how do you think, how how would they have done if your top boat how would they have done the varsity for that year? Um, they would have had a hard fight to make it to the finals, I think. They definitely would have made it past the time trials, and then it would have been – I think they would have needed to probably do their best race to make it into the, um, the finals. So then what does that do – so this is 2018. So what does that do for your team winning that race? Like what kind of – uh, publicity did you get did you get a bigger squad all of a sudden like what happened in that in that period of time um i'm not sure it did as much as we we'd hoped because uh, the brass at the school like they don't understand the stotesbury cup it doesn't have the word national championship on it doesn't have a state championship on it so um i kind of i kind of compared it um we have a really good hockey team here and they oftentimes go up to like New England to race and like the, and they, they, sorry, they don't race. They play in like the bean pot cup or, yeah. or something. I don't know. I just make up some names. So I almost thought that they saw it as just another cup that you can go to and race where people uh, outside the rowing world don't understand Stoats because it doesn't have like a championship name on it. So we came back we're like, Hey, we just won Stoats. Look at this big t- t- trophy we have. Like, cool. That's, you know, that's a tragedy because, like, I'd love the Stotesbury Cup. I yeah. mean, there are a co- – so when I rode in high school, our coach, because we had won – I had won some medals there. I never, I never won one of the race. I never, like, got first. I got a couple thirds and seconds. And uh, he said to me, so few people in this world have a chance to win this medal. Mm-hmm. And that, like, hit me so hard. It's the truth, right? Like – so many enter it's been around a very long time and you just made a comment that what we're trying to achieve we're trying to get people outside of rowing to understand the importance of stotesbury everyone in the world knows how important wimbledon is yeah. right everyone in the world knows how great the masters is but it's not the u.s national championship it's not the world olympic championship but if you win that competition you're the best in your sport yeah just like if you win the stotesbury cup you're the best scholastic team in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're trying to figure that out. We're trying to get people to, to realize that. That's- and, yeah, so we had a couple of things where like, we made, a, we made an announcement at lunch. Um, and then I, I, I had another coach from our team come up. He's like, so like, that event that you guys won, like, was it just like of small schools? Or like, was mm-hmm. it was like, no, it was like open to any school. Like, oh, from like this area? It's like, no, from the country. There's schools from... <laughs> 
goes from like to Canada like that. that, that <laughs> yeah. came, like, like oh oh, and then we got a the Hill News wrote a wrote an article about us, and it was like the bottom of the last page or something. It was it was just like um, so uh, you, you know it's a sport that no one ever rose for the glory. It's kind of yeah. those guys that were in the boat like those dudes work their butts off and they they know what they want and i'm so happy for those guys um and at some point i kind of i, I kind of stopped trying to have that fight with the school of like give these guys the credit they deserve and i i, I kind of gave up a bit um so i understand that. that that that's a challenge so all right so now we're year four you're still a young program yeah what have you done in the last 30 days with your program to keep them interested going and excited about the sport while not being able to be on the water? Like what, what have you done as a coach to help, to help drive their excitement? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, um, we've, we're in a tough spot. Um, just because we have, so our team, we, we have about, um, 26 guys on the team, um, a handful of novices and well, it's worth mentioning. We also don't row into the fall. Okay. So we, um, we have some guys who came on our spring break trip, which got cut short. Um, so there were, we got about five days of strokes in this whole year, uh, which is fine, I guess. Um, but we have some guys who the top end, we have about probably six to eight guys who are just going to work and they know how to work and they're going to do it. And I'm going to, I have a bit of guidance there. Um, but they're guys who are hungry and we're hungry for this spring and we'll certainly be hungrier for the next spring. Um, so I'm not necessarily worried about those guys. And then we have the next level of guys who, um, don't know the sport yet or don't mm -hmm. quite haven't found that reason to work and the reason to work during the winter is oftentimes i get to row in a boat in the spring and now that that i get to row in the boat in the spring is gone they're not looking forward to next spring yeah so i'm now asking these guys to work out for 12 months to get back to where we are basically <laughs> now. And after going through a winter on the, on the, on the, the, to the ergs, I, I almost have a bit of a hands-off approach of, listen, I want you to be a healthy, happy athlete. And you don't become a healthy, happy athlete by being on the erg for 12 months of the year. Um, so if, if this spring, if you, don't work as hard as maybe you would like we're we're okay with taking our foot off the gas now as long as it keeps us right up here so that we can come back next spring and be ready to go so i I'm, i take notes in all of these right so i've been just going through this and there's there's this thing that i'm like trying to figure out how to say properly you you hit the nail on the head when you said I got 20 guys that don't know the sport yet, right? They, you, like, they just don't know it. Yeah. And 
it's not your fault. It's not their fault. They just haven't experienced rowing to know what they're going through. And you know what? All a couple hundred coaches around the country are all thinking the same thing. Like, what do I do for the kids that don't know the sport yet to get through this uphill battle? No pun intended. You're the school, the hill school. You have this uphill battle of like going through 12 months or in some cases, six months for programs. You know, I'm going to pose that question to coaches for this podcast, this, this Zoom cast. I want to know what they're doing to get the kids who don't know the sport because it's a bulk of your program, right? Like you might lose four or five, maybe 10, 15% of the kids next year because they're like, well, screw this. If I didn't row, I don't know enough. I'm not going to give you any of my time or energy. That's a really great way to put it. You got a bulk of your athletes just don't know the sport. Yeah. And that's a challenge. It's a, it's a, yeah, it is. But then I also don't like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Because I, I listened to the podcast you guys had with um, Jamie Hamp. And like, he's talking about his guys. And like, obviously, we're a different team than, than them. Yeah. But he's talking about all his guys that are working on the ergs. And like, his maybe two, two eights of guys that he has. My equivalent there is I have six guys who are maybe doing the, the same thing. Sure, sure. So I'm, so I'm sitting there like, why can't I be like that? Like, why can't we be like that? Um, well, cause we don't have 40 some, some guys. Um, <laughs> well, you're also been around for like four years. So you got to understand like Jamie Hamp has a team that's been around for 20 plus years. Yeah. It's just the history. Right. So, but, but then that's just something that I sit back every day. I'm well, not, not every day. I, I don't, I don't want to say this is like always on, on my mind, but I'm, I hope I'm doing right by them, by, by, by them. I mean, to the kids, um, by letting them be themselves for this spring and I want them to work, but I'm not going to, you know, make them erg every, every, every day and say, these are workouts you must be doing every, every day. You know, just be happy and be fit. Go, go for a run or go for a bike or go for a hike. And just as long as you're staying, staying active, when you come back to Hill here in the fall, like we'll, we'll, we'll get back to, to work, but let's just not, let ourselves get complacent. Let's keep being, being, being active. But at the end of the day, like I have to remember that these are 14, 15, 16 year old kids. Um, You know, I gotta, I gotta give you a compliment. You, uh, so I'm, I'm, I think I'm 34. I always forget. Um, (laughs) 34 now I have two children. Um, I run a business. I I've been coaching, I don't think that I have the mental clarity to say, I hope I'm doing the right thing for them. And it's a very powerful, mature statement to say. It's a very powerful and mature statement to say, be happy, be fit. When you come back, we'll get to work. Like the focus, it's, the focus should be on yourselves as athletes. And to ask yourself, am I doing it right, puts you at the top echelon of coaches who understand themselves and understand a program hats off to you. It's a, I mean, really accept and take that compliment. I've, I don't even know how many, I think I've done damn near 50 interviews since January 1st of these things. And I think CJ can tell you maybe one or two people have actually had the maturity to say something like that. So hats off to you. And, you know what? You don't know if you're doing the right thing. 
that you won't know until the kids come back. And if you get a full roster coming back who works their tails off in say six months or a year, I think then you'll know if you've done it right. Uh, Will, you know, what we, in all of this, what we're, I, I, we're, we're trying to name these podcasts, right? So like, I'm trying to figure out like what to name this thing. And you have, so I highlighted, these are my notes. Okay. Sure. I, I, take, I take tons of notes. Yeah. And you have said some really fun things that I don't know what we're going to name this damn thing. I'm actually <laughs> irritated. Like at one point you say, um, you didn't want to do a sport that, that bad people did, right? Like that people were oh. just bad athletes. Right? <laughs> and then, you know, I love that your dad and your brother were rowers. Like that, that in itself is, is fantastic. Then you say- My dad and I actually, it's worth still mentioning, my, my, my dad and I, except for last year, um, we've raced the parent-child event at the head of the Schuylkill. How'd you do? Um, so we have a silver and a, and a bronze from a couple years ago. That's we, awesome. We raced a parent child at the head of the Charles um, a couple years ago. And that was just like a, that was just like a one-time thing. And to get an entry there cost like nine, 900 bucks or something. So, so uh, who sits bow? Who sits stern? Where, where I am you? in bow. Uh, he's in, he's in, he's in uh, stern. Is he and, a better rower than you or, or do you, do you still got him? Do you, do you still uh, well, I've never meddled at the school without him. <laughs> so I, I think he's better than you. <laughs> there was uh, there was w- w- one year a couple years ago where I raced the parent-child double with him, and we got a to silver medal. And then a couple hours later, I tried to enter in the champ to single, and I finished like third to, to last or something. So uh, it's clear who the real boat mover is in that in that in that boat. I think uh, I think I've never medaled without him is probably the name of this damn podcast. I've never, <laughs> never met without him. So it's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I think my dad smokes me. <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he's 61 and he's got about like 8 million lifetime um, meters on the, on the earth. He does a, he, he wakes up and does his thing. He does a 6K three mornings a week. Whoa. At his splits, Whoa. you know, his goal is to keep it under two. So do like a 159.8. Come on. Um, and so, yeah, he's the, he's the boat mover there. <laughs> I mean, a guy at 61 still breaking two minutes for 6K three days a week. You know, that, that is dirty fast. And I think you know that. I mean, yeah, that, I, that is good. Yeah. Um, there was a couple, I, you know, usually during the spring, my – my fitness starts to, to fall off a bit because I don't have the time and I get back on there and I'll try to do a 6k and just like, so hold it under a two is, you know, I, I can do it, but it's like, Oh, this is uh this took a little bit of a push. You can't do it three days in a week, every uh, single week. Like, yeah, no, just, yeah. So he, um, he wrote in, in high school, as I said, he wrote about two years, uh, didn't row in college. And then didn't really row again until my brothers um, and I started rowing. And so does he give you assistance in coaching at all? Have you guys talked about coaching styles and techniques at all? No, because he, he uh, like his experience of sport was being in a boat when he was in high school. And then he had not been in a boat again until the year after I got back from Australia. Actually, this was the year before I left. 
where we were both home and I was like, Hey, let's go take out, let's go take out a double. And it had been, I don't know, 30 some years since last time he'd, he'd been in a boat. So what's his name? What's this guy's name? Mark Scully. He's a legend. <laughs> Mark Scully. We're going to give this guy some love, man. Mark Scully. He, um, and I just got him last year to sign up for a week, a weekend camp at Craftsbury. Wow. And this year, if the summer still goes, he will come up for a full week. So what did he, uh, what did he do for a career? What was his job? You know, he, uh, he was a actuary. An actuary. All right. Wow. The actuary from Connecticut, Mark Scully, a legend, a legend. in the older men of rowing. <laughs> a yeah. That's amazing. Well, look, Will Scully, I have had a blast talking to you. There's a lot of really great things that I think that coaches that listen and watch this are going to start asking themselves. You know, they're going to start saying, what is actually important to me? You know, maybe, maybe you've inspired someone who's been looking for a job as, as a crew coach that might say, you know what, I, I'm going to do what, what, what uh, Will did. I'm going to go ahead and just make this a career. Or maybe, maybe a young coach who doesn't know that he or she is doing the right thing during COVID-19 might just say, you know what, as long as the kids come back happy and healthy, I'm, I'm happy and healthy. Uh, well, thank you for being part of another Rower's Choice podcast. We'll be pushing this thing out pretty soon in the coming weeks, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Right on. Hey, this, is, this has been awesome. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for uh, thinking of me. This is the Rower's Choice podcast. Rower's Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing Shells, and Sykes USA.